Welcome to Business Beyond Usual. My name is Thomas DeClerc, and we are recording live from the Ross School of Business once again. I'm here with Eduardo Raymond, Kevin Koo, and today we're gonna to be chatting about international student perspectives together with an amazing panel. Also important to mention that at the time of recording, we are nearing the 100,000 download mark for podcast episode. Thank you all for being such an amazing audience. Yeah, before we get started, we wanna encourage you to get in touch. We always love engaging with our listeners and we'd love to hear from you. So send us a message at bbupodcast at umich.edu. That's bbupodcast at umich.edu. And also follow us on Instagram at Ross underscore BBU. That is Ross at Ross underscore BBU. And feel free to DM us there as well. Ask us any questions, suggest episode topics, or just say hello. We'll spend some time at the beginning of each show reading some of your messages and answering any questions you have. Awesome. So let's kick it off by introducing our amazing panel for today. We have with us Rishti Gambir, Adriana Freund, and Abhinav Vats. First of all, thank you for braving the snow and the cold to be with us here today in our recording studio. And if you could please introduce yourselves and share with our listeners, you know, what you were doing before Ross, uh, what you are involved with on campus and what you hope to do after. And Abhinav, could we start with you? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Eduardo, uh, for having us here. So from India, I have worked across sectors. I started with McKinsey in India, worked as an analyst for two years, then did government in India for a year. And then while I was finishing it, I came across a chance to create a problem into a business. So became an entrepreneur for three years in the chemicals and mineral space. So came here uh, in the U.S. to see how this regional experience could be elevated to some global levels in the chemicals space broadly. So I uh, was looking at Houston and Texas particularly because of the positioning in this sector. So I'll be going back to the firm. I'll be joining McKinsey again this summer. And I hope to join them full time after I graduate too. So yeah, that's pretty much about me. Adriana. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, well, my name is Adriana Freund. I'm from Lima, Peru. I worked in the CPG industry for the past seven years and uh, now also recruiting for CPG. I'm looking forward to understand more the CPG industry in the United States understand the culture and, and the consumer here. Very nice. Very nice. And Rishti, what about you? Yeah, so I'm also from India. And before Ross, I was an investment banker. So I spent five years working with JP Morgan and the Royal Bank of Scotland. Similar to Abhinav, after my MBA, hopefully I'll be joining McKinsey, where I am also going for my summer. And on campus, I am involved in quite a few things. I have board positions in uh, the DEI committee of the MBA council in the public speaking club, also in the general management club and have been doing quite a few other interesting things as well, which we can touch upon later. Yeah, it's worth mentioning not only our panel, but even our hosts today are absolutely from all over the place. Like I'm Thomas, I'm from Belgium. Eduardo, you're you're not from around here. <laughs> not. Um, I am also a foreigner. I'm from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. And I'm from Melbourne, Australia, kind of. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe let's dive quickly into our first question here. Um, why did you guys all choose to come to the U.S. for your MBAs? Uh, maybe tell us a bit about the cultural differences that you might have encountered when you first moved here to Ann Arbor. I think I came here with a very specific goal that I was very attracted by the potential of 
the minerals, natural resources, chemicals market in the U.S. because there were lots of innovations that were happening here, which were not happening in India, but I was sort of observing them from an outside-in perspective. So I wanted to be a part of those transitions. So that was one. But the differences that I feel culturally are in the classroom setting in India, we are not very used to asking questions to professors. We sort of have a, what do I say, a mindset of listening more and doing more. But over here, I see people are very active. They are very thought provoking. They are very thoughtful questions. So that was one big transition. And second, I think even culturally, uh, it's a mix of fun and play, like work and play kind of an attitude that we have in America. In India, I would say we have a different way of mixing work and fun. But US has a very different way of doing that. So sort of adjusting to that, like maintaining a balance of the Indianness, but also adjusting in a good way to embrace the American culture has been an interesting journey, I'm sure, with uh, me, but all of my other international friends as well. I can echo that first part so much. Like the level of interaction in the classroom is just nothing that I've been used to before. Like this is no doubt partially because the Ross professors are so amazing at it. But like anything that I want to chime in on, like content wise, that is welcomed and appreciated by the professor. And it's been such a difference for me. And definitely the respect, right? Because you can ask any question in the, in the class and everyone is listening and they are able to respond or help you in your question. So that is a great part. Just to echo that, I feel the overall culture in the classroom is relatively chilled out compared to where I come from. It used to be a lot more uptight. There used to be some level of seriousness and only professional conversations would take place in the class. But now the class feels like a very safe environment where I can talk about anything with the professor, learn a lot from my peers, engage in meaningful discussions. And it's been absolutely a tremendous experience. What about um, speaking of cultural differences, <laughs> and, and this is a little bit beyond the realm of just cultural, but also in terms of the country itself. And we were expected to get about 15 inches of snow. I think we probably got a little bit less than that um, the past couple of days. But how has that been adapting to the U.S. Um, coming from countries that are very different, at least in terms of, of weather, right? So different for me. <laughs> In Lima, the coldest weather is like 50 Fahrenheit, more or less. So here we are with snow and it's very different for me to walk, to get out, to go to a theater or to party at night is okay. How I'm going to go back to my apartment? Yeah, I've not been happier with any purchase than my boots. Like those have been seeing a lot of miles lately. Sort of resonate with that. I think what I've not been able to perfect until now over is like that snow kit. Like you need gloves, you need a hat, <laughs> you need a thing to sort of cover you elsewhere. You need boots. So I think I keep missing something or the other when I'm stepping out of my home. I step out and I see, oh, I missed a pair of gloves. Oh, I missed that hat. That is <laughs> something which is so different. Like how to be functional as a human in snow uh, which is something I've never experienced back home in India. And almost like driving in snow is so difficult. Uh, you need to sort of maintain distance in a different way between your car and the other car. We almost rammed our car on our way back from Detroit once. I remember it was like a heavy snowstorm. But uh, yeah, these are some little experiences which are different. But yes, snow also has a positive side to it. It's good to sort of go to classes when the 
snowfall is happening uh some days are very majestic but some days are awfully bad yeah i i'll be very honest i did not leave my house yesterday when it was snowing like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i think being in the winter um something i'm not used to is kind of feeling like i'm always late now because when i'm walking in the snow i feel like i'm walking maybe at three quarters speed <laughs> i feel like whenever i have to put on the snow kit as abhinav said it takes an extra five minutes to put on all the layers and all that so to me, it's not so much the cold itself that's uh, a bother. It's it's maybe a bit more of the inconvenience of it. Like, uh, you know, it adds time and it adds a lot of friction to being outside and to doing things. But I don't think the cold personally has been that awful. I don't know. The, the buildings that we live in, the classrooms here, perfectly well insulated. Sometimes it's even too warm when, yeah. once we're inside Ross. But for the most part, I feel like, yeah, it's okay. And I think that that's something that's important to mention as well, right? I think um, everyone that's listening, that's applying right now, it's important that you know that it does get cold here, but we do have all four seasons, right? Yes. Um, summer, spring are beautiful seasons over here. Um, I personally enjoy the fall a lot as well. Campus is so pretty in the fall. It is. It is. Uh, and yeah, it's it's just a little bit colder during yeah. the, the winter. And the amount of messages that were going around asking for sleds yesterday. I mean, people seem to be enjoying the snow as well, even though it's a bit inconvenient sometimes. Yeah, unpopular opinion here. I have been loving the snow. I've been <laughs> loving the cold. And this is my first time living in snow as well. But I've enjoyed every moment of it. Even the fact that I need to dress and undress every time I'm going in and out. I enjoy it. It's just a simple process. I keep gloves and a stole and a cap in my bag at all times. So I always have it on me. It's super fun, guys. Midwest in the U.S. is amazing. Yeah, and maybe a secret to success for everyone listening and trying to apply to Ross and maybe considering coming to Michigan. Uh, secret to success is long underwear. And good boots. And good boots. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all. This was so helpful. Um, let's take a brief pause to hear from one of our club sponsors. Yeah, one of our sponsors today is from the Asian American Business Association, also known as AABA. AABA is proud to present East Meets West, which is an annual TEDx style event for the AAPI community. Uh, it's for the community members to share their culture and journey with a personal story. So their stories are going to celebrate the AAPI experience and to help elevate, amplify and advance AAPI visibility. This year's event will be on February 9th at 5.30 p.m. in Robertson Auditorium, and it'll also be streamed virtually. There will also be prizes that you can win, a Boba Guys Boba Baking Kit, which I'm personally very excited for, and gift cards to local bubble tea shops around Ann Arbor. Thanks, AABA, for sponsoring the episode. That sounds like a great event to join, and those prizes also sound amazing. All right, let's dive into some stuff that made your experience unique as an international. Like, let's chat visas, recruiting. I know recruiting is in full swing right now. Some people are signing offers. Some people are still in the full interviewing phase. But all of you have had some very recent experiences on the topic. So please, anyone who wants to dive in. Yeah, it has been very stressful weeks <laughs> for me. <laughs> but I think that there is a specific path. It's very different in Peru. In Peru, you only apply to a company and wait if they're going to respond or no, that's it. And you then go to the interview and the process and that's it. Here, no, here is a, a specific process. You need to speak with three or four people in the company. This, that is called a coffee chats. 
then you need to do this for that 10 companies you're applying for or more. And then wait for the interview. So it's a whole process that I need to adapt all the way that I think the recruiting process. So it's different, but finally I made it. I'm happy about <laughs> it. But, but I think that the key part is to adapt. I'm yeah. not used to this, but if it's required for me to do all these steps, I'm going to do it to achieve my goal. So. And Adriana, can you also share what industry you recruited into? Yes, I recruited in the CPG industry. Yes, and I have an offer for Nestle, so I'm very happy about it. Yes. Amazing. Avanov, can you share with us like some of the resources that Ross has that maybe helped you navigate this very new? Like, I also am very used to this black prox process of like, you put your resume in it and then you wait and you wait endlessly. And this is a lot more interactive. So maybe were there things at Ross that helped you navigate that? Yeah, of course. Uh, so there are lots of resources and you got to optimize which resource you got to leverage more. So there is something called Ross Recruit, which has timely updates on what are the companies that are looking to hire for what role. And there are definite like filters that you can customize your search based on them. For example, if you're an international and you want to see if the company sponsor internationals or not, you could just apply that filter and the system would pop out a list of such companies. So Ross Recruit has been really, really helpful. I have never seen something like that ever in India. And that's why I feel although things are overwhelming and challenging, but they're very well structured. You just have to be attached to the process to mm -hmm. sort of game it. Apart from that, Ross also has the career development office, which is very supportive. You can reach out to them, very responsive people. I knew that I couldn't take the McKinsey interview from my flat uh, where I live. So I wanted to take a separate room for about three and a half hours. I dropped a mail to them one night before and very quickly they arranged a room for me. So very supportive uh, in terms of that. And apart from that, it's the vast alumni network of Michigan Ross. Uh, you just reach out to them on LinkedIn or through some different events that keep happening on campus. And all you have to do is uh, mention to them what you're looking for and just say go blue in the end and everybody responds. <laughs> so I would say a combination of these resources at least have been very helpful to me. Yeah, for sure. I took a lot of advantage of the resume rewriting skills that, that the campus uh, resources had. I mean, my resume, I, don't, I still don't understand how they let me in with my resume before, <laughs> but you know, they were glad to help me out with the one that I use for job applications now. So that's good. Totally echo all of that. Uh, for my experience, I thought that I had started receiving support even before I came to Ross. My resume was perfectly reviewed by the alums of Ross. And after coming here, I don't think I spent more than 30 minutes tweaking my resume. That was great. In addition to the things that Abhinav mentioned, I personally felt very supported because of the MBA ones and the MBA twos. MBA twos, of course, were the ones who had recently been through the recruiting grind. And then it was amazing to see, absolutely mind blowing, how much MBA ones also supported competing for the same positions, yet not holding back on any of the information or any kind of help. It's something that you can only hear about right now. But once you come to Ross, you get to experience it. I was also super confused. How could people competing for the same position help one another? But it's actually a thing at Ross. And for me, it's the USP of the school. Touching on that aspect of, of how helpful the MBA 2s are, 
especially, you know, us as international students, it's, I think the international students that are MBA2s were especially helpful, right? Because it is a different, slightly different process for us. I think as a listener, it's also important to, to know that not every company is, is willing to hire international students. It comes with a certain cost, right? And we call that sponsoring. So as international students, you have to look for companies that are willing to sponsor you or um, have you work there through your OPT, optional practical training that's associated with your F1 or, or J1 visa. And I think that international MBA twos that went through that process and uh, know the challenges associated with it were especially helpful for me. Yeah, you bring up visas. I think like important to recognize people here had to apply for student visas to get here even. How was that process for you? Like I remember my process and it was terrible because all the embassies were closed. So I couldn't even go and do my interview. That's <laughs> true. Um traumatic experience <laughs> touch on it uh, on my experience briefly and i'm curious to hear uh what your experiences were as well so in brazil the embassies were all closed and i started looking at trying to get my visa in other countries you know in, in south america argentina's embassies were closed so there were several uh layers of complexity right you had to first understand if you know that country was open to receiving brazilians and then if that country that was open to receiving Brazilians had embassies open, and if that country that was open to receiving Brazilians and had embassies open would emit visas to non-residents. And that was another thing. So there were countries that I could fly over to, but I needed to be a resident to be able to get a visa there. Mexico, for example, was one of those countries. And at the time that you're listening, this might have changed, but I, I tried reserving a date in Uruguay. Uruguay was close to Brazil, so this was a complete bet, and I was hoping that it would work out. Uh, fortunately, things worked out, and the embassies did open up in Brazil, and I was able to get an appointment in Sao Paulo, very close to where I lived. But it was, you know, I still remember being in about 10 WhatsApp groups and just looking at all the conversation every couple of minutes and, and trying to understand what other people were doing and and when someone's anxious it's one thing when 200 people in a whatsapp group are anxious it's just um a very interesting experience so <laughs> what about you guys yeah that sounds like an ordeal did you make it in time i did i did thankfully <laughs> well, i did yeah. paid off it's definitely something that I think we all had to deal with in some level. Like you could just switch out maybe the different countries and the different embassies and it would still be very similar experiences for I think a vast majority of internationals who just were trying to get into the MBA programs or any graduate program during COVID, right? I think that's just one of the realities of the pandemic. Um, personally for me, I was working in the States before coming to Ross, but I still had to leave during the pandemic to try to get a visa to switch my work visa into a student visa and then to come back in the States. And so there were a lot of moving parts in a different way there as well. I was lucky that Australia happened to be open to only Australians. And so I was able to fly back on a ghost flight. Like there was nobody else on that big, um, seven, seven, seven. And then, um, ended up coming back just in the nick of time before the borders closed up again. So it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, that time was horrific. Eduardo, you took us back to a very nightmare kind of a situation <laughs> because I remember 
I thought getting into the business school was the difficult part. But <laughs> here I was, oh, you have to win this click race. And these were like WhatsApp groups, Telegram groups. And so many people used to say, I got this lot. But when you tried opening it, you were not even able to log in. And when you tried to log in, it was getting logged. So there were all of these difficulties. But uh, I mean, I just got it admitted and I'm still like working out these difficulties. So it was very challenging. But having said that, the U.S. Embassy stuck to their word. They were very clear that they will open slots and eventually they did. And that's why all of us were able to get here on time. Yeah, let's hope for the next batch of incoming students. Things are a bit easier <laughs> COVID wise and embassy wise. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked with a Peruvian a prospective student at Ross that is already admitted for the first round. And he told me, no, it is a nightmare still. Mm. So in Peru, it's open, the embassy, but the people is so reduced in there that they're going to, yes, an appointment, but from a year from now. So, okay, no, please, two months <laughs> is okay, but... <laughs> So yeah, you need to send an email that is for an emergency and explain all the things. But it's, as you mentioned, not easy. Reflecting back on this time, I remember the first appointment that I had got for my visa was for 24th January 2022. And then a week ago, my phone's calendar notification went off and it said visa appointment. And I woke up all sweaty. I didn't know what was going on. Am I still supposed to get my visa? Well, you're already here, luckily. So, Yeah, okay. Well, this is a... <laughs> I don't want to cut this short. This is a very interesting point of conversation. But before we go into the next question, I want to just um, give Thomas some time to talk about our next sponsor. Yeah, so today's episode of Business Beyond Usual is also brought to you by Risky Business, the number one ranked cover band of the Ross MBA program. Risky invites you to join us on the mystery show on Thursday, February 17th. Now, what's so mysterious about a Risky show is that the theme of the night is completely top, top secret, and there will be accompanying costumes and a set list. So search for Risky Business on Campus Group and find complete event details and purchase tickets. Definitely do. Thanks, Risky Business, for sponsoring the episode today. I'm definitely looking forward to this. And we now know the secret theme. It's going to be slumber party. Is that correct? I'm going to be taking out my pajamas. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you obviously decided to come to Ross for a reason or multiple reasons. And we just wanted to chat a little bit about why Ross ended up being your top choice and perhaps not uh, a business school in your home country. Can you expand a little bit more on what made Ross so appealing to you? I can talk a little about that because of my special case. I've also done an MBA in India, which was quite a few years ago, but I'm not that old. Um, several differences uh, in the two MBAs. Of course, the biggest one is that in India, my MBA was taught by Indian professors. I was studying with Indian students and I was engaging with Indian companies. It's very different over here. It's a very cosmopolitan environment, multicultural people from all over the world are here. And that represents in the form of the professors, the students, and all of the other staff that we ever engage with, including the recruiting support systems. So it's a very different experience out here. You get to learn from the multicultural aspect. Another thing is uh, Ross action-based learning to me was a very high selling point. 
and i'm really looking forward to the map project which uh, our map projects have just been assigned a week or two ago and the excitement is just boundless at least for me i feel like i got the best project that was out there along with abhinav <laughs> yeah. And, yeah but other than that i feel that uh, my biggest reason for choosing ross over the other admits that i had was the people factor the way i felt connected to the ross community and had this sense of belongingness i did not find anywhere else who i am studying with who i'm living with is very important to me and the people here have absolutely blown my mind with how amazing they are building on what rishi said uh it was a huge factor to choose to do an mba here versus not in our home countries because the global exposure is unrivaled you get to be with thought leaders in their areas across the globe uh, it's not just focused in the us like even the cases that you do have a mix of some domestic business cases as well as international cases your classroom comprises of people not just from the states but from other countries as well and group projects is a very fundamental part of the curriculum at ross and then as rishti also said map is something which is only unique to ross you don't get this in any other business school it's like basically a ramp up before your summer internship so you work on a real project for a real organization and it is like a real deliverable it's not like a theoretical academic setting uh, that's something which was a big draw for me as well and the fact that it's a college town see ann arbor is a college town at the end of the day i was very motivated by this value prop i wanted to be in an area which is filled with university students because i studied at delhi university in india that was also more or less like a college town but i wanted to sort of take this same experience from home to a different setting so college town aspect of ross is also something very attractive right definitely i can relate <laughs> with all that you said and i'm not going to repeat about all of the, the things but map is very important part and the business plus impact part of ross it was essential for me the social and the environmental part uh, in the business uh, is essential i think that in order to see in the future many companies are shifting their strategies in that part and ross has all the strategy and support to build new skills in order to to develop in that area for me it was essential yeah absolutely i think well map is very fresh on our minds all of us got our map projects attributed very recently i'll be working with eduardo so that's going to be a fun time <laughs> nice oh we in rishti are you working with albinov yeah. yes. so we have two pairs here in in <laughs> the yeah. room what and are albinov the and i are also going to go to indonesia, indonesia. for our project wow. so that's yeah. very exciting exactly yes. all the listeners should get all pumped up about their map projects yeah. already yeah Absolutely. seriously wow that's an amazing opportunity i'm going to india oh amazing yes i'm very excited about it amazing Yeah, no, that's such a great experience. I'm I'm really excited. I can't wait for it to <laughs> Well, we have finals first, so let's maybe focus on that. I have a question. I don't know if you guys have have any particular answers to this and um when you interview for Ross and for business schools, one of the big questions really is why Ross, right? Why MBA? Why now? But also why Ross? Is there anything that you know now that may be changed from when you were applying that if you had to interview again maybe this would be something that you would touch on? Oh yeah, that's interesting. Um I definitely 
applied to Ross originally because I knew of the strength of the marketing department here. I was definitely like thinking very much about what professional outcomes can I achieve by going through business school and specifically to Ross and the marketing department based on my goals of trying to work in brand management or CPG was, you know, very much aligned in that aspect. But then thinking specifically about, you know, what I would say differently or what I reflect on now after almost one full year, I would say like some of the institutes at Ross, which I think straddle, um, they're not exactly like clubs and activities, but they're also not exactly classwork, but it's things you would sign up for in addition to class to go and, you know, thinking about the the business plus impact opportunities here. For me, I would probably think about the Sanger Leadership Institute. Um, there are so many opportunities in Ross specifically where there are specific experiences to help you reflect on what kind of a leader you've been in your pre-MBA life, the kinds of traits that you think actually are your strengths, and then how to apply them in workplace situations going forward. And I think that, to me, has been one of the most rewarding experiences um, in Ross so far, you know, being part of the Leader X experience, hopefully in other experiences in the future. I know like the crisis challenge just happened, and that's a very big hallmark Sanger Institute event that happens like once or twice a year at most. So I think that's something I reflect on as really thankful to have found once I came to Ross and absolutely wish I planned for more of those events when I started this whole journey. Yeah, definitely. I participated in the crisis challenge and I would definitely recommend people to look into it. Um, it was such a very rich experience. Just you're thrown into a business case and for 24 hours long, you're getting new information all the time. And it was a very good way of testing, like, how do I react in these sort of high stress situations? Um, and how can I, you know, be better at that? Also quickly plugging, like, and apologies to all the accountants out there, but Ross has made me enjoy my accounting classes, which I would have <laughs> never expected coming here. So, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah. Another thing that is very unique to Ross is the funds. Like there are many student funds that exist and I had no idea about them earlier, but when I came here, I joined the Zelluri Commercialization Fund, which is also called ZLCF. And it's and like it's a beast opportunity for you to get very hands-on on how things are happening. It's just like Shark Tank. Companies come, founders pitch, the group evaluates immediately, and then we try to do a due diligence. And then if that works out, they actually put in real dollar money into that company. So that is something which is extremely unique. Uh, I got a chance to witness many of those pitches and very soon I'll be doing a due diligence in the next week as well. Uh, so that's like a very beast experience that I would say. And there are many student funds, not just ZLCF. There are three, four additional funds that you can participate while you're a student here. Yeah, that's very cool. Yes. And also I want to add here about the certifications. I didn't know about it when I applied, to be honest. But right now I'm going to pursue a certification in innovation and entrepreneurship in my second year at Ross. So all your elective, you're going to focus in a specific theme and you can be an MBA and certificate in something else. It's a STEM. I know that you can apply for that and there are many other certifications. So it's something very interesting. Yeah, and the STEM one is important for internationals. Like Eduardo, can you tell us about like why it does it matter that this option is available? Great question. So for those of you listening that might not know, with an F1 visa, you are entitled to one year of OPT, which I mentioned previously, optional practical training, which allows you to work inside of the US for 
up to one year. With the STEM specialization, you can extend that uh, by an additional two years. The company also has to designate your role as a STEM specific function. But, you know, it's a great opportunity for us that are looking to gain more experience here. And yeah, I'm personally pursuing STEM. And I know that the majority of the international students that are looking for this OPT extension also do that. And to add one more thing to all of these great things that everybody just mentioned about Ross, coming in, I did not imagine that Rod had a plethora of international learning opportunities, which are now coming up and all seem very promising and exciting. In addition to the regular student exchange programs, which can be quarter long or semester long, there are also opportunities to travel to Israel, Sweden or Germany over the summer for a period of two weeks and attend classes in one of the B schools there and earn three credits for that over the winter quarter. I think that's a splendid opportunity. In addition to that, I just mentioned some of us are traveling for our map and that seems like a very promising one. On the non-work front, uh, there are so many tricks that keep happening. A bunch of us are heading to Colombia later this month. I know people who went to Ghana for the G trek in December. So it's all packed with a lot of international experience if that's something that you're looking for. Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, thinking of all these different experiences and now thinking of us wrapping up our first year effectively in a few months, um, wanted to just shoot you guys a random question here. What experiences are you guys looking forward to next year the most, right? Whether you would do it one more time, you know, in your second year, or maybe you'd do it for the first time because you saw how much fun everyone else was having on that, um, you know, thinking about things like the bus, um, football season, are you guys going to get season tickets again, the restaurant scene, what have you? Not to sound like a nerd at all, but there are a lot of things to do at Ross. The one that I'm really excited about doing is just paying it forward, all the support that I got in my year one, especially in the form of uh, recruitment guidance. And that can take the form of just working with the consulting club, since consulting is what I recruited for, or it can be just being a peer coach to the MBA ones, which essentially would be helping them with their resumes, their application drops, their interview preparation. Like I said, too many fun things to do, but this is the one I'm most excited about. I felt I gained the most from the MBA2 community and just want to give it back to the incoming MBA ones. One of the biggest things that I really enjoyed was, uh, like Thomas was also there at the Games Day event where I was fortunate to score a header goal. <laughs> which I don't know how I did it. So I think what I will be looking forward to the next year would be kind of find this mix of non-class related activities as well to complement my educational experience, like to do with sports or to like to do with, you know, restaurant gauging or uh, maybe extracurriculars around public speaking or uh, dance or whatever. I don't know. I'm just sort of, I have a big laundry list in my mind. But yeah, I would, as Rishti said, beyond things that you would do, which are very focused on the classroom aspect. Uh, I would also look at, you know, non-classroom experiences and try to mix and match and create something very customized to my preferences and needs. Definitely. And you just said about public speaking, for me, it's going to out of my comfort zone to speak up or to a big audience. So I just sign up for the storytelling lab. 
So it's a big challenge here. It's not only how to manage your good speech, but to talk in an auditorium. So that kind of experience I'm looking for my second year and also the football season in Peru is the soccer, <laughs> the <Okay>. football for us. <laughs> but now I understand the American football, the football in here, uh, it's incredible. I mean, the whole city stopped. And everyone is focused in that. So it's a great experience. And I'm going to buy my ticket seasons <laughs> this time. Yeah, it's crazy and definitely unique to Ann Arbor. I feel like that that whole football culture in the fall is just such a bonding experience too with your classmates. Like everyone goes and watches the game every Saturday that it's a home game. So yeah, definitely looking forward to that too. What about you, Thomas? Anything? Besides I mean, that. specifically electives. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the more academic side here. I'm I've seen so many good electives, and I started like making. It's almost like recruiting or applying to business school. Like you make your long list, and then making your short list, and just like trying to puzzle um, as many interesting electives as possible into my schedule for next year. That's going to be a challenge, but you know, we'll figure it out as we always do. Kevin, um, I think for me, it's going to be you know a little bit of what everyone else said, but also trying to um, maximize some of the opportunities I could make for myself through the clubs and activities that I'm involved in. Specifically, I'm thinking about one of the clubs, um, Food, Bev, and Biz, which is mostly a food and beverage and obviously business um, type of club. I'm thinking that if I can organize an event or two in that club in the next year, that could be a success for me. And so, you know, it's a very young club. And so trying to grow its presence and try to, you know, stir up more interest among the community about why I think this club and its activities are important. I think that could be a goal for myself next year. You know, I think a lot of people um, you'll hear refer to their MBA experience divided into three pillars, right? Recruiting, academics, and, and social. Hoping and crossing my fingers that I won't have to re-recruit in the second year. Um, you know, you, you get a little bit more time to spend on the other two activities. And I, I'm also looking forward a lot to the electives. I think uh, one thing that is interesting to me about the MBA experience is really creating a brand for yourself and um, differentiating yourself. And I think that that's something that the MBA really allows you to do, you know, take up different electives and do so in a way that is, you know, relevant to the goals that you want to pursue. So excited about that. Also excited about continuing with the Sanger Leadership Center activities Kevin was, was touching on, Thomas mentioned as well. And in terms of just social activities, I think you guys pretty much nailed everything. Uh, and yeah, also looking forward to, you know, uh, once it's not snowing outside right now and it's not a hazard to, to ride my bike. Um, I, I bought a gravel bike when I got here and I really enjoy it. So going on some rides, uh, you know, just north of here. It's crazy how much the scenery changes when you ride for just, you know, 20, 30 minutes. And um, it's something unique, I think, to Ann Arbor that I, in Sao Paulo at least, didn't have the chance to do as much. Uh, so that's something that I'm looking forward to as well. Yeah, I know one thing for sure. We're going to be making a lot more podcast episodes next year. Business Beyond Usual is brought to you by the Rosp School of Business at the University of Michigan. Today's episode was produced by Eduardo Raymond, Kevin Koo, and myself, Thomas DeClerc. We want to wholeheartedly thank our guests for being with us today. It was such a rich experience hearing from, you know, everything that you have encountered so far and that you're looking forward to in the rest of your Ross experience. Um, executive producers of BBU are Bob Needham, Christina Weiberg, and Eric Hoffenbeck. 
Special thanks to Jonah Brockman, who did our editing today. And thank you so much for listening. Until next time, go blue. And this is Business Beyond Usual.